Hello, this is David Kelly. I'm Chief Strategist here at JP Morgan Funds. Today is January 6th, 2020. 25 years ago, I had the privilege of working with a very smart and well-respected strategist at a Wall Street sell-side firm. Apart from brief interruptions for the 1987 stock market crash and the 1990-1991 recession, US stocks have been rising since 1982, and this strategist, for what I thought were very sound fundamental reasons, took a bearish view in stocks. On a number of occasions, it looked like she might be proven right, as the market slid for days or weeks in a row. But each time, it recovered and went on to new highs. And as it did so, investors became more convinced that a big bear market just wasn't going to happen. It almost appeared that the stock market was determined to underreact. Something similar could be said about how stocks behaved last week. By all accounts, last Friday's drone strike in Baghdad that killed the head of Iran's Quds Force marked a significant escalation in hostilities between the United States and Iran. Iran's leadership predictably responded by threatening painful revenge. The U.S. administration promptly warned all American citizens to leave Iraq and prepared to send an additional 3,000 troops to Iraq. In a muted reaction on Friday, the S&P 500 fell by 7 tenths of a percent, not even enough to wipe out Thursday's gain, and Brent crude oil prices rose by a relatively modest $2.35 to 68.60. In the week ahead, Americans will continue to debate the wisdom of the U.S. action. However, from an investment perspective, a more relevant question is why, at least initially, the markets didn't react more. After all, Iranian retaliation could involve further attacks on oil production or shipping, and Iran could also retaliate in a number of ways that could damage the U.S. economy or markets. Furthermore, any U.S. response to Iranian retaliation could also have damaging and unpredictable impacts. Part of the reason for the calm may lie in the changing structure of global oil markets and how the U.S. economy has become less vulnerable to energy price swings. However, a broader answer involves both psychological and financial forces that have endowed the stock markets with greater resilience as this bull market has aged. On the oil issue, it is now almost 50 years since OPEC first really flexed its muscles by cutting production and embargoing oil supplies to the United States and other countries that had supported Israel in the Yom Kippur War. This triggered both surging inflation and a deep recession, and since then oil price shocks have played a leading or supporting role in three further U.S. recessions. However, over the past two decades, the growth of shale oil drilling has transformed the United States from a huge net importer of oil to a situation of self-sufficiency. In the third quarter of 2008, the U.S. devoted over 3% of GDP to buying foreign oil. In the third quarter of last year, net oil imports amounted to just 0.05% of GDP. Equally important, shale oil is a relatively short-cycle technology, so price spikes have led to rapid increases in production. This probably contributed to the relatively subdued oil price reactions to last September's drone attack on Saudi oil facilities and last week's drone strike in Baghdad. Moreover, regardless of their military capabilities, restricting oil supplies from the Persian Gulf would be a very expensive strategy for Iran, since it depends on oil exports, even given US expansions, just as much as its regional adversaries. That being said, there are many other ways the Iranians could retaliate, and this potential might have been expected to elicit more of a response from the stock market. So why has the stock market not reacted more? Part of the reason may be purely psychological. Today's investors have seen the stock market recover from both 9-11 and the great financial crisis, arguably the greatest geopolitical and economic shocks of our time. This makes it easier for investors to shrug off le- other lesser events. However, there are at least three other forces which seem to be supporting the market from a fundamental perspective. First, both the Federal Reserve and the administration seem more sensitive to the stock market than in previous decades and appear willing to take action to support the market should it falter. The Fed's decision to suspend rate hikes early last year was clearly motivated by the sharp correction of the stock market in late 2018. 
Moreover, while global markets have been buffeted by both the President's tweets and actions on trade over the past two years, he's consistently adopted a more conciliatory tone in response to stock market sell-offs. Second, quite apart from the willingness to react to stock market volatility, the Fed's generally very easy monetary policy has made it difficult for investors to stay out of stocks. For most of this expansion, both the federal funds rate and the 10-year Treasury yield have been below year-over-year core inflation, as they are today. This tends to push money back into stocks whenever uncertainty abates, and since investors know this, they're less willing to participate in market sell-offs. Finally, there's the issue of taxes. Almost 12 years of rising stock prices have left many investors with very substantial, unrealized capital gains. While there's a great deal of uncertainty about the short-term movement of markets, there's no uncertainty about the tax hit these investors would face in any tax-exposed accounts. All of these factors may continue to limit stock market volatility in the months ahead. However, investors should consider two areas of market vulnerability. First is the issue of valuation. At the start of this year, the S&P 500 was sporting a forward P.E. ratio of 18.2 times expected earnings, roughly 12% above its 25-year average of 16.3 times. As we show on page 6 of our guide to the market, while valuations are a terrible guide to one-year returns, they're much better at predicting five-year returns. Starting from above-average multiples generally results in below-average returns. Secondly, there is a question around earnings. A further slowdown in the global economy or pickup in U.S. wage costs could make it difficult for companies to sustain even the low single-digit earnings gains that they have achieved in recent quarters. A recession, or an increase in corporate taxes after the election, would make it impossible. After one too many bearish calls, my strategist colleague resigned. In retrospect, of course, she had been early rather than wrong. But on the sell side, where investors demanded accurate short-term calls, this may have been seen as an equal sin. However, for long-term investors and those advising them, short-term calls just don't make sense. So while markets may have underreacted to increased Middle East tension, investors should make sure that they don't, and pay particular attention to valuations in markets where a shrinking number of assets could truly be described as cheap. Well, that's it for this week. Please tune in again next week. And if you have any questions in the meantime, please reach out to your J.P. Morgan representative. This content has been produced for information purposes only. And as such, the views contained herein are not to be taken as advice or recommendation to buy or sell any investment or interest thereto. Reliance upon information in this material is at the sole discretion of the recipient. The material was prepared without regard to specific objectives, financial situation, or needs of any particular receiver. Any research in this asset has been obtained and may have been acted upon by J.P. Morgan Asset Management for its own purpose. The results of such research are being made available as additional information and do not necessarily reflect the views of J.P. Morgan Asset Management. Any forecasts, figures, opinions, statements of financial market trends, or investment techniques and strategies expressed are those of J.P. Morgan Asset Management, unless otherwise stated, as of the date of production. They are considered to be reliable at that time, but no warranty as to the accuracy and reliability or completeness in respect of any error or omission is accepted. They may be subject to change without reference or notification to you. J.P. Morgan Asset Management is the brand for the asset management business of J.P. Morgan Chase & Company and its affiliates worldwide. J.P. Morgan Distribution Services Incorporated. Copyright 2018. J.P. Morgan Chase & Company.